are listening to the Already Gone podcast, sharing stories of the missing, the murdered, the mysterious, and the lost. Taylor, Michigan is a community in Wayne County, located south of the city of Detroit and just east of Metro Airport. The community is an old one, founded in the 1840s and named for military hero and future U.S. President Zachary Taylor. At 23 square miles, Taylor is a mix of industry and residential with several major roadways passing through town, Interstate 75, Interstate 94, and Telegraph Road all cross through the city. Today's story takes place in Taylor, on Telegraph Road, a busy eight-lane boulevard that cuts through the center of the Detroit area. Chelsea Ann Small, a 30-year-old mother of two, is working at the Advance America store. It's lunchtime, and she's the only one in the small office. Advance America is a secure location. Small is seated behind the counter, and the entrance to the building is locked. No one can enter the store without her pressing a button to open the door. The lock system is secure and functioning. We know this because first responders racing to the location after Chelsea pressed the panic button. They can't get in. They must smash the glass door to access the building. And once inside, they discover a horrific scene. Come with me to November of 2013, when a much-loved mother of two young children faced a robber and paid with her life. Chelsea Small was a 2002 graduate of Carlson High School in Gibraltar, Michigan. In November of 2013, she's 30 years old, a mother of two. Her daughter was eight, and her son had just turned five. Chelsea was close to and well-loved by her family, her mother, father, stepmother, sister, and stepsisters. She was also busy. In addition to her job at Advance America, she was enrolled at Wayne County Community College, furthering her education so she could provide a better life for her kids. November 12th started out like any other day. Get the kids off to school. Get herself off to work. The morning progressed like any other morning. Clients came to the door. She buzzed them in. She assisted them, and off they went. Around 11 a.m., the carry-out pizza place next door to her business opened for the day, firing up their ovens and creating a stream of pickup orders and delivery drivers coming and going from their corner spot in the strip mall next door to the Advance America where Chelsea was working. If you aren't familiar with Advance America, they are a financial service business. The descriptor on their website says, We make it easy to get money fast, with online and in-store payday loans, title loans, installment loans, and more. Anyone entering this business would expect them to have cash on hand. Chelsea's killer likely arrived at Advance America around noon, but we don't know if he arrived on foot or if he pulled his vehicle into the narrow lot of the strip mall. What we do know, based on video captured inside the store, is that he arrived at 12.04 p.m. Chelsea looked up at him and pressed the buzzer that would unlock the entry door so he could come in. Her family will later speculate that perhaps he was a customer that she recognized because she did not hesitate to admit him to the business. 
Once inside the building, he raised his weapon, shooting her once, the impact of the blow knocking her out of her chair. The shot didn't land fast enough. Chelsea had time to press the store's panic button, advising Taylor police that there was a robbery in progress at her location. His movements were calm, methodical. He came around the corner and shot her again, making sure there were no witnesses left to identify him. He also made sure that Chelsea, sweet, lovely Chelsea, would not see her family or her two young children ever again. When Taylor police arrived, the business was locked. The buzzer system Chelsea used to let in her killer was also needed to let in those who tried to save her. Unable to open the door, they didn't hesitate. They used a tool that quickly shattered the glass at the entrance, allowing them access to the crime scene. Local news exploded with coverage of the brazen daylight robbery turned homicide in Taylor. All three local stations ran stories about Chelsea's case. And the very next day, video was released. Images of the man who murdered Chelsea, taking her away from her loved ones, so he could have the $200 he stole from the cash drawer. Detective Stephen Schwein was originally assigned to her case. He, along with other detectives, worked tirelessly to track down the man responsible for her death. Surely, with video images of the killer, someone would speak up. The tips came in, but they weren't the right tips. Tips that led to a cold-blooded killer. Three years after her murder, in 2016, law enforcement put up a billboard on busy Interstate 94 with Chelsea's photo, Beautiful, smiling, happy, and full of life. And on the other side of the billboard, an image of the coward who killed her. More tips, more calls, but never the right one. A year went by, and then two. Schwein retired, handing the file over to Detective Eric Jones, who had worked with him on the investigation. I recently spoke with Detective Jones about the case. He's very motivated to find Chelsea's killer, to bring him to justice, and to bring a measure of peace to her family and friends. Could you introduce yourself for the listeners? Yes, uh, Detective Eric Jones with the Taylor Police Department. And today we're talking about the 2013 murder of Chelsea Small. And Chelsea was working at the Advance America Payday Loan Company in Taylor, Yes, it's located on Telegraph, which is a major, you know, thoroughfare through the city. And she was working, it was about lunchtime? Right around, right around 12 o'clock, right around noon, November 12, 2013. So it's midday on November 12, 2013, and she's by herself in the business and buzzes in a customer. Correct. Which is um, part... Part of their policy, they buzz everybody through the front door. So if he had looked like someone dangerous or someone sketchy, she likely would not have buzzed him in. Yeah, that that, that being the purpose of it, um, from what I've gathered, you know, from, from Advanced America, that's why they do that, yes. But he was not a regular customer. He appears to have come in, robbed the facility, and then shot Chelsea. Yeah, when he's when he's bugged in, he he's the only person in the store. So he was the counter uh, where she's behind. Um, there's very little 
communication, and you basically present the firearm over the counter. In a very short time, there might have been words exchanged. There's no audio, so it's a very short time. It appears that she makes a motion and hits the panic button underneath the counter. He then fires one round across the counter. And then does he proceed back into the store? Does he flee? What happens after he shoots her? After that, she falls off the chair and he walks around to the end of the counter where there's a through door, kind of like a uh, swing doggy door thing, where he goes through that, approaches the, the back side of the counter, shoots her again one more time. Uh, at that point, he rummages and makes his way behind uh, a wall where there's like a storage place. He goes out of camera view back there, looking through cabinets, pulling drawers open. Uh, he's back there for a few seconds, comes back around in the camera view behind the counter and goes to her cash drawer uh, where he takes a, a minimal amount of cash out of there, puts it in a bag that he brought with him, goes back around through that, that swinging door and then exits out the, the door he came. And this business, this Advanced America, it was not a standalone business. It was in a strip mall with restaurants and other businesses, correct? Correct. There there was, I believe, there's room for, I believe, maybe five businesses in this, in this strip. Uh, at the time of the shooting, I believe there were only three that were occupied. Uh, one being directly next to it was a pizza place. The one to the other side of it was vacant, and then on the other side of that was a cell phone store. And those other businesses were open during the time of this robbery and murder? Correct, correct. The pizza place was operational and the cell phone store, yes. So this killer seems really brazen. It's the middle of the day. It's the middle of the week. The other businesses are open. He doesn't just shoot her once. He shoots her twice, and then he sticks around. Yeah. I mean, from the time he walks into the door and the time he leaves uh, is, is right around two minutes, maybe even less than two minutes. So it's very quick. Uh, he, he's not inside very long. The whole thing is a matter of, of, of a couple of minutes. But yes, brazen, yes. Middle of the day, uh, on telegraph, during lunchtime, lots of cars up and down. You know, when he's inside and, and after he decides to shoot her, his demeanor isn't that of someone in a panic. When, you know, when we watch the video, he's, he's walking, he's meticulous, not in a rush. I mean, he does, you know, rush around and pull some cabinets and stuff and, and take some money, but it isn't like your normal panic, like, oh, my gosh, I just shot somebody. I need to get out of here. It's very stone cold, you know, very callous, just nonchalant. You know, it's it's odd to us. There is video of him in the store shooting Chelsea, committing the robbery, and then leaving. Is there any other evidence that he left behind, or can you comment, did he leave behind fingerprints or any other evidence that you can use? I can't really get into that. There is, uh, there is evidence. We're still at a point where we need help with the case. We've had thousands and thousands of tips you know, and leads, and we just haven't got to that point, you know, where we've found the right guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people yes. look at the video a lot. I mean, we're coming up on the on the five-year anniversary mark. So for the first three years, my partner, 
who's since retired, uh, Detective Schwein, you know, was diligently working tip after tip after tip. You know, at the beginning, we've crossed a lot of lookalike stuff off, and uh, we're just we're looking for that person that may have heard something, that may have seen something, that this bad guy might have said something, or they're, you know, deep down inside still contemplating whether or not they want to talk to the police or something like that. So um, we're hoping that that happens. That's why, uh, you know, we do things like this and the radios and the TV shows and the news and stuff like that, just to, just to keep it out there. And keep Chelsea's story out there. So hopefully this person can be found. I'm going to post the images from the video on my website is there mm-hmm. a place where more of the video can be viewed? Is it up on your website or is it available somewhere? Um, there's um we did um about a year ago we did a we did a show uh uh the Crime Watch Daily did an episode yes. on it and that's available online. And the both both segments of the show are on YouTube, I believe. Uh they have the video on there. Uh, that we released to them. It's it's edited, obviously, but it's for the most part, it's on there. And certainly, you can go to the Taylor Police Department website and get my information and uh, my contact info, which I'll give to you also. Okay. And this suspect, can you describe him for the listeners? Again, I'm going to put the picture yeah. out there and the, st- the stats out there, but sometimes it's helpful for them to to hear, you know, for listeners to hear it from you. Sure. What it appears to be is, is, a, is a white male, middle-aged, probably somewhere between 35 and 55. He appears to be maybe 5'8 to 5'10, somewhere in that range. He's uh, kind of stocky, kind of pot ish maybe in the 200-pound the range to 220 pounds, somewhere around there. His attire, he wears a baseball hat. He's kind of got bushy hair. He He had a a jacket on, and it appears that he has some sort of dark pants on. The thing that we noticed in the pants that maybe maybe this could be is on the side of his pants there's some sort of white, like, ID marker. Like, if you were working at a business that they issued you some sort of uniform uh, and they did cleaning by it, they would put a tag on the side that, that you would see in, in auto plants or parts plants, things like that. So that's – and he's got some sort of work boots on maybe. Um, but that's kind of the things we've noticed in it. Was um, there any sign of a vehicle with him? No, we had we had nothing outside as far as the vehicle goes. Okay, so he could have he could have either parked elsewhere and walked up or it's possible yeah. that the other two businesses just didn't notice the vehicle. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. He could have parked right there in front of the business. You could have parked a few a few down. The parking lot is not massive. Um, there's basically parking in front of the in front of the strip mall, and that's about it. Okay, and this location is no longer an Advance America, correct? They they moved out of that location after this incident. Correct, correct. They never did open back up, correct? And to their credit, they did put up a generous reward for information leading to the arrest of this person. Absolutely, absolutely. Advance America has been nothing but helpful. Uh, they put up a fifty thousand dollar reward for any information uh, leading to the arrest uh, of this person. They've done that from the beginning. There's also Crime Stoppers who's been involved, and, and they offer their two thousand five hundred for any tips leading to it. 
Um, so anybody anybody can call and use Crime Stoppers. That's one eight hundred Speak Up and give anonymous tips uh, if they have any. Uh, we do a lot with them. And that's fantastic that people have the option to leave anonymous information if they wish to remain anonymous, because sometimes in Correct. these cases. The perpetrator tells someone, but they're aligned to the perpetrator and don't want to share what they did. But if, as alliances change, as relationships change, someone may feel more comfortable coming forward. You're absolutely right. We're, that's what we're hopeful for, that somebody um, may know something and time uh, has weighed on them. And maybe it's time to say something. And, and there's plenty of means out there that they can do that for us. Now, when I initially reached out to you, one of the things that you said you wanted to do was to make sure that this was okay with her family, that they were aware. I know Chelsea has a mother who's involved, and she has two children who were relatively young when she was murdered. Is there anything you mm-hmm. can tell listeners about the family? The family is, is doing the best they can. Constant contact with, with all of them. I see them a lot. They always, and they're very appreciative uh, of any type of People reaching out, people keeping this uh, case in in the news or in the media. So they're very thankful for you and your podcast reaching out. But they're, but they're doing the best they can. You know, it's a tough situation, and we don't wish that on anybody. But a lot of prayers and, and a lot of faith, and, and they have hope that one day, you know, this will all be over with, and and, and we can all move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else that I didn't ask or that you wanted to include? I'll expand on um, the shooter a bit. the the weapon The weapon that he used uh, is a handgun um, from the video. And what we what we can tell by the by the video is that there's some sort of suppressor or what or a silencer on it. It appears because it's in the video. It, it, it's abnormally long. It appears he used some sort of suppressor when using it. And, it, and it malfunctioned at one point when he when he fired around. And when you watch him, he manipulates it, and what we call is cleared the the malfunction and makes it ready to shoot again with ease. Somebody like that is, is what we think is is trained or has been around handguns or firearms or you know, has prior training or is a gun to use them or something like that. It's not, it's stuck out to us. I don't know if that leads to him, you know, his calmness during the situation because he has been around guns and he knows how to operate them. He knows how to manipulate them. He knows how to fix them when they jam and things like that. So, you know, ideas of prior military, prior police, somebody that grew up with weapons, somebody that's always been around them. So those are things to think about when people look at this case and they look at this person and they watch the video or they look at them, those are some clues or maybe some insight that people might want to look at. I actually find that um, a little bit terrifying that he came in, he knew he was going to rob the store. He knew he was going to use his gun to do it. He walked in there Mm -hmm. intending to kill Chelsea Small. Yeah, there's, I mean, we're almost five years into it, so we've kicked around every theory possible. Um, you know, was he was he a hired hitman? Did he just go there just to kill Chelsea Small and, and nothing else? Is he did he go in there to rob it? His intention was just to get money, and then 
you know, she hit the panic button and he freaked out and he shot her. But once you shoot her, why why stick around? You know, the the button's been pushed. So there's all kinds of theories and 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 we look into every single one of them. The information about the suppressor was new to me, and I I, I find it a little bit scary, honestly. Sure. It, it just it it sure. lends a little. Um, it makes me look at her case differently. Mm-hmm. That this wasn't an impulsive robbery. This guy set out to do this and to shoot her right. twice. This is a scary dude. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's very brazen. It's very odd, and you don't see a, a suppressor in a in a robbery at all. I mean, we tried to think of some other ones and I, I don't, I, I've never seen it. Uh, it's very odd. We've never seen it and it's something different and it is scary. It could be a homemade one. You know, there, you can go online nowadays and try to make anything. That's um, true. It could have been what, you know, one that didn't necessarily belong on that handgun. Therefore it did malfunction. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ideas. And Taylor is a relatively safe community. It's a good place to raise a family. This sort of thing is not the norm for Taylor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Um, absolutely not the norm here. Um, we're, we're a big city. Uh, we're a hardworking town. Um, we have lots of businesses, major roadways, 94, 75, Telegraph. We're all kind of right in that area, you know, which leads to lots of different theories about where somebody would go after they did this, you know, easy access to the freeway, could be an out-of-town person. That's why we get the word out as much as we could, because who knows, he could not be around here. He could be up north, in the UP, upper Michigan, south of here, could be anyone. Right. The suppressor really threw me. I didn't know. Um, Yeah, um, we touched on it. Um, It wasn't really, it wasn't initially released as info. Right. In, in the beginning of the case, just because we wanted to hold that kind of tight to the chest. Well, and that was going to be my next question is what number do you want people to use if they have tips? Because I generally just give out the main number. But right. Certainly, um, certainly we we love um, even the Crime Stopper stuff, the yes. 100 Speak Up. That way they're attached to it. That way if something does happen, trace it back in the $2,500 and could be 50000 so there's that. My number would be 734-287-6611. Now, that's the general Taylor Police Department number. Okay. And then my extension is 2010. 2010. Okay. Detective Jones, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and to share Chelsea's story and your work on her case with listeners. The person responsible for murdering Chelsea Small arrived at the location armed and ready. The use of a suppressor on his handgun added a strange and unsettling element to the crime. Was he prepared because he knew the pizza place next door would be open? Choosing noon during people's lunch break to rob the store seems like an odd choice if you wanted to minimize attention. People often take care of financial business on their lunch break. It's possible the store could have been busy or crowded when he arrived. It was sheer luck he came in when it was empty, and that he didn't come face-to-face with another customer or employee. It was sheer luck that employees or customers at the pizza place or nearby cell phone store didn't see him. It's been almost five years since Chelsea Small was killed at the Advance America store on Telegraph Road in Taylor. Her children, so young when she was taken 
are now nine and thirteen years old. Her youngest child has lived without his mother almost as long as he lived with her. Her parents, mom, dad, and stepmom, are just as motivated today as they were five years ago. Her sisters, friends, her community, those that knew and loved her still wait for answers. Her employer, Advance America, decided to close the location where Chelsea was murdered. They later opened another storefront in Taylor, and they offered a reward of $50,000 for information leading to the arrest of her killer. I encourage you to view the video of this violent offender and to share it on social media. Someone knows who he is. It's not right that he is walking free. The video is available on our website, and I posted it to our Facebook page. Now, if Chelsea's case sounds familiar to you, we have discussed it briefly back in episode 54, The Disappearance and Murder of Chelsea Brooke. In December of 2014, the families of Chelsea Brooke and Chelsea Small held a joint memorial service with the family of Julia Nicewender. Julia was murdered December 11, 2012, while she was a student at Eastern Michigan University. Julia's case was covered in episode 66. In 2017, Daniel Clay was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Chelsea Brooke, which provided answers and justice in her case. But the families of Chelsea Small and Julia Nicewender are still waiting for an arrest, and they're waiting for answers. If you have information on the murder of Chelsea Small, please contact Detective Eric Jones or Detective Joshua Schneider of the Taylor Police Department at 734 287-6611. If you are unable to contact law enforcement, you can reach out to Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP to leave an anonymous tip. You can also access Crime Stoppers online at www.1800speakup.org, or you can email me, host at alreadygonepodcast.com. Already Gone is a bi-weekly true crime podcast focused on Michigan and the Great Lakes. For more information on the podcast, to see pictures, video, and other links about this episode, please visit our website at www.alreadygonepodcast.com. You can find the show on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Already Gone Pod. Stay tuned after the close for a preview from our friends at the 36 Times Podcast. I'm Nina Instead, the writer, producer, and voice behind Already Gone. I appreciate you listening, and please, be safe.
Hey, Lily. Oh, hey, Krista. Did you know, according to an unproven internet meme, you will cross paths with a murderer 36 times in your lifetime? I did know that, and you want to know why? I can guess. Because we're 36 times, a Canadian true crime and comedy podcast, which covers crimes in the great white north. Every episode, we focus on a major crime, and then we lighten things up with a kooky one. We cover everything from major cases and unsolved mysteries to peculiar getaway choices and animals behaving oddly. So catch our bi-weekly episodes on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts.